Welcome to another Godcast from Whosoever, an online magazine for gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender Christians. I'm Candace Shalou Hodge, the founder and editor of Whosoever. Thanks for joining us. Coming up on this Godcast, we'll talk with Soul Force founder Mel White about his latest book, Religion Gone Bad, and why he says we must take the religious right seriously. We'll also take a meditation moment, and we'll wrap it up with some holy humor. The religious right is always talking about the gay agenda, but in Mel White's new book, Religion Gone Bad, he reveals the agenda of the Christian right and eliminating gays and lesbians is at the top of the list. In one of the most chilling chapters in this book, White, who is the co-founder of Soul Force, reveals details of a secret meeting held back in 1994 in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Fifty-five fundamentalist Christian leaders gathered to come up with a solution to the gay and lesbian problem in America. And we've seen it play out ever since in the form of constitutional amendments against same-gender marriages and the ongoing battles within denominations around the acceptance of GOBT people in their midst. I spoke with Mel recently and asked him what motivated him to write this revealing book. For the past 15 years, I have been monitoring the fundamentalist Christian um, televangelists the pastors, writers who are anti-gay, and the Catholics. And in collecting the evidence against them before long, it becomes just overwhelming. Mm-hmm. You see that they are simply um, on an absolute role for condemning us, for caricaturing us, for demeaning us, for demonizing us. And once it began to be very clear to me that we were under siege by the Christian right, um, I went looking for the history of how that siege began, and then I found those tapes from the meeting when they gathered together, and to me that was really news, that, that it's a conscience effort by these guys to raise money and mobilize volunteers using this issue to scapegoat us. And so I, it just was obvious that I had to write something about it when I knew so much. And is this the, the Glenn, Glenn Irie, am I saying it right? Right. Uh, the Glen Irie meeting. And what was that meeting about? Well, that that meeting was all about coming together with these right-wing leaders from all across the country to plot how they would politically um, take the country by way of using gays to frighten people into voting against um, progressive folks who accepted us. And so the whole meeting was was called and conducted to create a strategy to to deny gay people our rights and to drive us back into our closets, or even worse, drive us out of the country. So why is homosexuality at the top of the list for fundamentalists? It's a it's very uh, important question to understand. Um, they call it God's chain of command. Hmm. That They see very clearly that the whole universe falls apart if order isn't kept. And God created the order from God to Jesus, from Jesus to men, mm-hmm. from men to their wives, and from wives to their children. So men play an absolutely critical role in bridging the gap between the deity and between the, the family. Mm. That man is, the human male, is the person that God uses to bring the truth to the world and to the family. And that if the man quits acting like a man and doesn't take the man's responsibility, that's what they call gays, uh-huh. then that structure falls apart. And so, so that when, if, if that's such a threat to the, to the system that God created, then number two, if a nation honors that gay 
thing that does so much damage, then God will take his hand of blessing off that country. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, they've got to both save male role, the caricature role, but they've got to go to save the country for, for, for God's blessing that if, if they don't stop homosexuals, if the country recognizes us in any way, like in hate crimes, in domestic partnerships, mm-hmm. in military, in ordination or marriage, any of those things, that one of those official recognitions would create the, the final straw that could break God's back and have God pull away from us. And that's why the, when they said Robert said a follow that 9-11 was due in large part to gays and to feminists and so forth, right. that's, they weren't kidding. Mm-hmm. That was a sign for them that, that the country better wise up or that God will... Um, will take his hand of blessing off and the country will spiral down into to, to pagan um, uh, lost nation. And, and since the nation is the bearer of the gospel of the world, since we're the new Israel, yeah. that would end God's, um, of, you know, God's ability to, um, to, to save the world. So when you think about homosexuality as being the number one on the list, it really is to them. I mean, when Falwell or Robertson or, or any of those have made their pronouncements about gays being responsible for 9-11 or uh, Robertson said that gays were responsible for the hurricanes in Florida, you know, not the hurricanes in Florida would just naturally occur. But when we write them off as kooks, you know, the tinky wink stuff. Right, and, that's so dangerous yeah. because they're not saying we're to blame. <laughs> that, that we didn't know. They're not saying that we caused the earthquake or the terrorist attack. Mm-hmm. It's God who allowed it to happen because the country is giving us recognition. Right. And that's really different from what, when you say uh, God, the gays caused 9-11, well, that's the shortcut to that wider discussion that Mm -hmm. says, no, it's God who let 9-11 happen because America is giving credibility to gays. But what I'm hearing, the deeper uh, thing that needs to be addressed is misogyny. That's the, the deeper issue is that, is that men are acting like women and women are, are so much lesser. So, the gay, so misogyny and homophobia are intricately linked yeah, there. I mean, absolutely. That it is just a hand in glove. Um, that women are inferior is a given. But that they do, that they should be treated with love, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty hard to treat somebody who is an inferior with love to start with. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> But no, but, but yeah, when you go at this issue, you find all kinds of other issues that are just wrapped around it. Well, but what are some of the tactics that, that are used to demonize the gay community that maybe we're not aware of, that, that travel in those smaller circles, especially for them to raise money? Remember, they mean it. They are sincere, even though they are raising money. Mm-hmm. So we never want to think that they're just doing it to raise money or mobilize volunteers. They really mean it. Right. But it also works with the demographics of the country. And so um, the, the demonizing, I think the, the Supreme Court in Massachusetts, when they, when they um, supported gay marriage there, said it's not, it's not as much about rights, about those rights that gay people lose. It's that being called second-class citizens. And that the demeaning that happens from all of these... Um, from, from all of these discussions, even if they say, we will give you domestic partnership rights, that is saying that our relationships aren't really spiritual, aren't really recognized by God, and mm-hmm. therefore not recognized by the nation. So that people don't realize that it's not marriage, these marriage thing is not just about the rights that we're denied. It's more about the significant um, 
demeaning of our relationships that is inferred by that. Right. So that so that when people, you know, you, you're having a big debate about the rights, of, that we should have the rights of marriage, just being in the debate itself is demeaning. It would be like a woman on a panel with men saying that the point is that men are superior and women are inferior, and women are having to say, we're not, we're not, we're not. Mm-hmm. Just willing to sit on that panel is demeaning. Willing to listen to that panel is demeaning. So that there's levels that we don't remember. We think it's about one thing, but something else terrible is going on. For example, when they say we shouldn't serve in the military, here's a young gay man or a young lesbian woman who wants to be a servant to her country, and she hears that she's not that she's inferior and can't serve the country. So giving her the right to serve is one thing, but recognizing her humanity is another. Yeah. And so the, the thing that we miss often is that we, our humanity is being demeaned when we even debate them. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say I don't debate this anymore. I, I, I'm not going to sit down with anybody to debate who doesn't see me as fully human and fully Christian and fully American. Then the debate can begin. So what do we do then if, if they're serious? How do we get serious and, and begin to fight them if we're, if we're not going to sit down in debates or town hall meetings or panel discussions? What do we well, do? Well, the, the town hall meetings and panel discussions, can you know, the, so, the equality writers are doing that. Mm-hmm. They feel called to do that because it's on a college level where minds can be changed. And so we, so far there's a lot of, a lot of discussions going on, even debates. But, but for me, mm-hmm. um, to me, the example is a woman being asked to go on a panel when the subject is women are inferior. Right. Why would a woman do that? Mm-hmm. Well, some women might go on because they're scientists and they can show empirically that women aren't. So good for them. <laughs> but if I were the average woman, I would say, you know, I'm going to boycott that panel and hope like mad that everybody does so that it never gets a chance to be heard. Yeah. Because they do not listen. Fundamentalists do not listen no. to our side. They only use us to, to exploit their stuff. And, and when you say, what should we do? We should stop cooperating in every way with those who oppress us. Mm-hmm. We should stop giving money at the churches. We should stop playing the organ at the churches. We should stop singing the choir in the churches. We should not pay our taxes. We should not cooperate with governments that make us second-class citizens or with churches that do. And until our community realizes that over the long haul, this is going way too slowly. I mean, too many people are killing themselves, and too many people are being killed, and too many people are feeling um, inferior and feeling um, unqualified to be anything, to feel dehumanized, to to just wait for the courts to settle this. Mm -hmm. That's why Soul Force believes in taking it to the streets, we feel. But we we can't mobilize enough people to make a difference, because so many gay people can pass that they forget about all those who can't. Yeah, very true. Well, you're also you're talking about uh, tactics of nonviolence, of, of resisting uh, unjust laws. Tell, uh, talk about the power of nonviolence. How how can you make that a reality? I mean, there are people out there. You said don't pay your taxes, and I'm like, oh my God, the last thing I want is the IRS at my door. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I mean that's scary. It sure is scary, and and it probably wouldn't do any good. You'd probably just um, you know, you'd have your wages garnished, garnered, or whatever that mm-hmm. is. Um, but I, I, and and we have a lot of people who argue against not paying taxes. That's I mentioned that one because it's so controversial. Sure. But, 
I really believe that everybody can find a way to practice nonviolence once he or she starts understanding what it is. Mm-hmm. That every day you're called upon to resist. And, and you know, whether it's someone telling the story or it's this new movie out, um, I pronounce you Harold and Maude. Yeah, sir. Yeah. It's so filled with double entendre and so forth. Um, I just believe that once we get alert to the fact that we are the resistance movement, then we will find ways to resist individually. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not simply m- mobs in the street. It's place by place. You know, when, when a person puts his lover or his partner's picture on a desk in a homophobic job, that's resisting nonviolently. Yeah. When a person says, you know, comes out, and brings a, a partner to a uh, to a function of that uh, of that um, company, or or when they sit and hold hands in church and go up and take communion together, all that's nonviolent resistance. They're flying in the face of the expectations. African Americans had laws they could break. Mm-hmm. We don't. We only have expectations we can refuse to fulfill. And you know. So when you have a party for your neighbors and you invite them over and you leave it at just your house the way it is and they see that you're gay and they see you in the neighborhood, um, you're resisting. Mm-hmm. And in the book, you, you talk about having everyone be on the front lines. Is that what, is that what you mean? Is that, you know, everyone, that... Is, everyone is on the front lines. Mm-hmm. It's just some of them aren't fighting. Uh-huh. We're on the front lines every day of this issue. You can't help but be. Right. You know, unless you work in a gay rest home or something. <laughs> um, I mean, there, there's not a day go by that you don't have a chance to resist. Now, you don't, you don't do it every day because sometimes things don't arise. But um, when you write, you know, when you write a letter to a newspaper saying this event in town was so homophobic and, and the, the host was so bad, and that, I mean, when you write a letter to an editor, that is resisting. When you you know, when you go into a store that's selling anti-gay stuff that's really obvious, that's resisting. I mean, we've got to be more creative and learn that resistance begins with us. Gandhi said, you've got to be the change you want to see. Right. And, and to me, that says it all. Well, tell me a little bit about what Soul Force is doing. You've, you've finished the second um, Equality Ride. Uh, what other projects are, are in the works? Well, we've just finished. Um, we had three buses three vans going across the state of New York trying to get um, the bill that was passed strongly by the House into the Senate. And um, so we had kids all over New York all summer working with state legislators. We have um, buses planned coming up for back across the U.S. and even one to Europe, to the... To the um, Eastern European states where homosexuality is not accepted. We are branching out into various world locations. <clears throat> we have the, the biggest thing coming up soon is seven straight nights where we're, we have straight allies in states all across the country that will be holding press conferences that goes across the country to, um, to, to raise the issue of marriage equality in all of these, in all of these states. We have trials that we will be attending of, of pastors that are being um, tried by ecclesial courts. Um, we have, uh, we're, 
we're working on a web page that will start giving information and connections to live counselors for people who are thinking of killing themselves or for people who know friends who are really depressed and, and don't have any referral possibilities. That's great. We have um, a web page that's really trying to come to life now with, uh, with various resources, both in terms of helping gay people accept ourselves, but at the same time helping gay people accept the fact that now we've got to go on and once we're out, we've got to take take ourselves out into the field to do justice. So we're doing a lot of new training materials and preparing new films. And, and we have a new book coming out, What the Science Says. Yes. We have one called What the Bible Says, as you know. Yes. Well, Jeff has just done one, What the Science Says, so they'll come out as uh, companion books. Great. When you started Soul Force, did you, did you envision this? No, I thought it would be over by now. I thought we'd have we'd, that the churches were good, about to give us our rights. Yeah, I really did. So I would hope, like that. That's why we don't have offices, and we don't have. Um, we, we we didn't want to get something that had to be supported. Right. So even now we have virtual, you know, offices all across the country, people's homes. But it's getting so big. We've gone way over a million dollars this year. So you really didn't want this kind of quote-unquote success? No, we didn't. It's, to, to me, it's failure, but um, it, it just it means we just have to keep fighting. Um, and I, I'm glad I'm out of the day-by-day day because it was getting to be so... Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I just wanted to ask you just one other thing about, uh, about your feelings about uh, Jerry Falwell's death. I know you've been attending his church and you've been uh, sort of in his, in his face this, uh, these past few years. I think the new generation is going to be more open. Mm. I think Jonathan Falwell is going to be more open than his dad was. Yeah. And I think new professors coming into Liberty University are going to be more open. So I think that I've done a job to keep it in front of all of them. And now that Jerry's gone, I think there'll be new people to pick it up here. But that uh, they've invited me to speak on campus now. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I'm speaking to the seminary students, 250 of them. There's there's real signs that we did a lot more than we thought. That's wonderful. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Well, maybe that can be a success. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of little successes. Plus, we've changed a lot of lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've trained, you know, way over 10,000 people in nonviolence. Doing those things cause people to change. Yeah. Once they've taken a stand, once they've stood their ground, they're never the same. So I feel very successful in doing and helping raise up another generation of activists. Mel White's latest book is Religion Gone Bad, The Hidden Dangers of the Christian Right. For more information about Soul Force and how to get involved, visit soulforce.org. of contemplation, Thomas Merton writes, it's not humility to insist on being someone that you are not. It is as much as saying that you know better than God who you are and who you ought to be. How do you expect to arrive at the end of your own journey if you take the road to another man's city? How do you expect to reach your own perfection by leading someone else's life? His sanctity will never be yours. You must have the humility to work out your own salvation in a darkness where you are absolutely alone. 
As the editor of Whosoever, I get a lot of email, some of it from angry people who condemn homosexuality. One of the letter writers asked, how can you even claim to be a Christian and still remain in the filthy homosexual lifestyle? That echoes hundreds of emails I've received over the years from people who want to tell me what path my life should take. They apparently know that I should be on the path that means moving away from this quote-unquote filthy homosexual lifestyle that I apparently lead. I always stop and wonder in amazement at the pure arrogance of such statements. They actually have the temerity to suggest that I should be someone that I am not. They fully believe that I should be heterosexual, and if I'm not, I should at least have the decency to stop calling myself a Christian. They've already got my salvation worked out for me. It comes purely from ceasing to be a homosexual. But how can they map my journey with God for me? How can I arrive at the end of my own journey if I take the road to another person's city? Aren't I meant to go the way God is mapped for me, even if it looks totally different and contradictory from someone else's way? Aren't I to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling? Merton would answer with a resounding yes. He reminds us that we can't be anything except what God makes us. To do so would be to be profoundly ungrateful to God for our lives. We cannot reject what God has made us to be, gays, lesbians, bisexuals, and transgender persons. We cannot walk the path of a heterosexual or a non-transgender person. Instead, we must walk our own path and work out our own salvation. Never let anyone tell you that you should be anything but who you are. They do not know your walk with God, and you do not know theirs. To be able to live the life God gave you unapologetically is what Merton calls heroic humility, the strength it takes to be yourself and to be nobody but the person or the artist, and I would add the gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender person that God has intended you to be. much for joining us for another whosoever magazine godcast we'd love to hear your feedback you can tell us your thoughts comments or suggestions by writing to us our email address is godcast at whosoever.org or you can leave comments at our blog at whosoeverpods.blogspot.com the theme music for our program has been graciously provided by adam curley other music included samples from heavy mellow and aaron starks all available from magnatune.com if you'd like to join the whosoever community we have many online groups that you can join for fun and support you can find Whosoeverins in your area when you join our Rainbow Fish groups. To find out more, go to whosoever.org slash rainbowfish. If you're enjoying our podcast, we hope you'll consider making a monetary donation to our ministry. It takes money to produce and broadcast this program, and of course to keep our ministry on the web, where we've been a valuable resource to our community for a decade. You can donate by credit card by going to our website at whosoever.org slash donate, or you can send checks directly to Whosoever Ministries Incorporated, Post Office Box 727, Camden, South Carolina, 29021. Whosoever is a 501c3 nonprofit, that means donations are tax deductible. Thank you for listening. May God richly bless you. 